Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome. Good to see you all. Thank you so much for coming and sitting together. So, yeah, I want to chat today about uh, simplicity, uh, simplifying, uh, simplifying things um, in regards to practice. Yeah, and I think for, for myself, this is this has been, you know, very difficult by the most difficult thing to do. Um, it's a very core principle. I think it's what we're all working on which is really simplifying the practice and moving more towards an experiential understanding of things than using uh, the intellect. So this is kind of what I mean by, by, by simplifying things. Um, so I want to kind of dive deeper into this. So I feel like there's probably going to be a lot of repetition, but in a good way, hopefully, <laughs> um, today, because uh, I just want to sit with this really core, really core, um, way of being um, or perspective, um, but look at it from, from many different, maybe some different angles you know, to how we could really be with it. So when we're moving into the, and learning into, in, in learning the teachings, when we're kind of absorbing the teachings and kind of the whole path and actually sitting with ourselves, you know, I feel like there's a very common um, experience where you were experiencing something intellectually or, or within, and then there's this whole thought process after that. And so it's kind of like if we're experiencing something like burning your, yourself on, on the stove, you know, this is, this does not need, <laughs> um, a mental overlay on top of that, right? It's it's something that's just okay. That hurt. I'm I'm not going to do that again. Kind of a thing. So there's a learning there that's experiential and it's very direct. And so we're, we're learning through through that experience. And when we're learning in these these subtle ways, we have that same opportunity to learn by noticing. You know, by to learn through noticing something. Like I just notice that there's suffering here. I notice that this leads to more joy and, and happiness. And you know, if we can sit with that continual noticing as the way of being, then there is an automatic uh, severing of that which causes suffering. And there's an elongation, you know, uh, like a, I don't know, that's a word. Yeah, I don't know. But it, it, it's more sustainable that that experience of non-suffering can be more sustainable other than flipping back and forth. So sometimes there's insight and then there is a whole lot of other stuff and 
that that comes along with it that is fairly not necessary not 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 necessary which keeps us away from the very thing that brought us to that experience so the very thing that brought us to that experience was simple beingness And then when something happens, <laughs> you know, we, we, it, when something happens and, and even when something is discovered, like something positive discovered, you know, something that just some insight to you, like when we're moving into like, oh, this is why this happened. This is why this has arisen. This is maybe why this is here or why I do this or that. You know, you know can we learn? from noticing. And I think that when we're talking about things like the hindrances, I'm going to bring this up for, for people if they're somewhat newer. Um, when we think about things like the hindrances, these are hindrances to a stable, to a stable mind. I'll put this in your chat box. This is, you know, when speaking of, of things like this, they're very, uh, we have this abandonment opportunity or kind of feeling towards these things already, right? So there's this automatic idea when we're looking at things that we wish to abandon, abandoning attachment, aversion, you know, sloth, you know, worry, doubt. These are things kind of like to abandon. So there's like an automatic instruction there that, that when we notice this, when you notice these things arising, that we're, we're there to abandon these, to allow them to come and go. So there's a very core like instruction there, um, not to add anything onto them, not to get hooked, that kind of a thing. But I also wanna talk about the opposite because I see this really coming up with the positive things that happen um, in our practice and our tendency to uh, yeah to, to add to them to kind of complicate to complicate them and also too when things are when there's kind of more intense um, suffering too so I want to bring up a list that's not talked about that often um, and just kind of see how this fits in and we can kind of work through this together. <clears throat> this is from the, I'm not gonna say this right, <laughs> the Vita Kasantana Sutta. I don't know, it might be somewhere, right? I don't know. Um, I, I love this teaching. This is a teaching from the Buddha, the removal of distracting thoughts and what i like about this is that it's a lot of things that are the opposite of allowing so a lot of times we feel like you know the buddha taught eighty-four thousand teachings but he only taught non-grasping mind which i think is a very you know, viable statement and there's a lot of ways to get there. You know, if we think of ourselves, you know, kind of 
um, our, our practice kind of like our, our mental state, I should say, kind of like a number line. And we we're at zero. Our our mind is it's pretty good, right? It's um, it's neutral. It's I'm 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 pretty good mentally. Sometimes the mind is in a state of lots of suffering, lots and lots of suffering. Right, so um, we're not doing that well. Right, we're kind of overcome. And sometimes the mind is very luminous and very clear, right? Um, and it, it could really see see clearly. And so the the abandonment of thoughts and non grasping, it has to you know, the the tools that we kind of re- reach into in our toolbox have to cover all these different um, states of mind to get us back, you know, into clarity. And so. This sutta here, the removal of distracting thoughts is when we're not doing well. There's, there's either really, really stubborn thoughts. There's a lot of delusion. Um, we kind of, we might know awareness is, is there somewhere, but we have a difficult time accessing it, right? Really pervasive, stubborn thoughts are really, really hooked into it and so i kind of want to just kind of bring up the idea like can we do these things we're going to kind of go over and still perform these things which seem very much in a in a dualistic uh, you know there's very much entrenched in, in dualistic thinking but can we do so in a way where we could still learn um experientially So the first one is think of the opposite. So for example, thinking of something of a, of a time when there's a lot of worry or concern. So was, let's like think of, a, of something in your life that you might be, might be a worry or concern right now. So thinking of the opposite. So what we can do here as a practice is really feel the energy of thinking of the opposite. So in other words, we're really investigating, you know, what is it like to sit with this, this worry? What's the experience like of sitting with worry? You know, let's say it's very unpleasant, right? And then thinking of the opposite. What is the experience like sitting with you know, when we think of the opposite, the opposite of what this might this might be? And again, so this could become a whole intellectual deal <laughs> if we're not careful, right? Even this instruction of thinking of the opposite, it could be like a war, it could be like a battle, it could be, it could be even guilt of like having these thoughts you know, or not being able to overcome these thoughts or that they keep coming back. What do I do if they keep coming back? All this stuff, right? So this, this instruction can very much live in a conceptual world of thinking of the opposite. Another way to 
experiment with this instruction is to is to drop these these two scenarios into one's awareness like noticing the worry and everything that goes along with it and then thinking the opposite oh what if it turns out well what if it goes right what if it doesn't happen right just dropping that in and experiencing the reverberation of that, experiencing the reverberation of that. So learning by noticing. And then there's no need <laughs> for further, oh, when I thought like that, it was like this. And when I thought like that, it was like that. Because you've already burned yourself on the oven, <laughs> right? Let's say it's like you've noticed, you've noticed already. You've already, you've noticed where there is ease and where is there, where there is suffering. And so if there's something to further cultivate is how that was seen, not what was seen. So we want to cultivate, how did we see that? How did we notice that there was suffering? How did we notice that there was an abandonment of suffering? Not like all of that other stuff around it. So contemplate, is it wise? Is it, let's say this worry, is it wise to worry like this? Is it wise to gossip? You know, is it wise to worry about something that's not here yet? You know, is it wise to, you know, a lot of anxiety is not wise at all, right? So that contemplation in, you know, in and of itself, you know, what I like about this kind of scientifically is this does bring us into the prefrontal cortex, even these you know, these studies have shown, you know, the, the rational part of the brain away from flight, flight, or freeze um, in the prefrontal cortex is very soothing when we can land here. So even these contemplations kind of break, you know, physiologically can break the, the chain, if you will, or break the, those, those links to, to hope and fear. So this is very, you know, similar to one and two, you know, contemplate, is it wise? Um, the third one, which is anti, you know, anti-mindfulness, three and five are both really anti-mindfulness, <laughs> which is distraction. And I, I love this one too, because it's just true. What's true is sometimes our mindfulness is not powerful enough, right? We cannot sit with things just as they are. Things are sticky and seductive and they pull us in. And wouldn't it be nice to know that in your toolbox, as part of your practice, as part of your dharma, as part of your self-compassion, as part of uh, you know, kindness towards yourself, that you move into distraction consciously. 
Because sometimes what we do is we move into to distraction in a guilt way. And then it's not practice because what can happen is if we turn off our mindfulness and, you know, when we're not doing what we think is not good, and then we turn on our mindfulness when we're being good, <laughs> we miss out on all those little subtleties that we can learn when we're in that state of, which is really a state of self-care most of the time, right? Well, it is all the time, you know, it's just, it's a root at its root is compassion. Like I don't want to suffer. And so I'm actually going to do this. I'm going to do this something. So if we can move into our distractions with a sense of purpose, you know, even this can be a very experiential, um, yeah, it could be, it can be an experiential teaching as well to notice how does it soothe, even if it's temporary, even if it's, you know, kind of a Band-Aid, is it soothing? How is it soothing? Right. Notice, you know, learn by noticing. And maybe noticing when the soothing has, you know, has kind of worked from distraction. And I can move into a moment of being with what is non-judgmentally. I'm back. All those things that I'm obviously, uh, that might be, that I need to distract myself away from, they're impermanent. You know, they are going to shift. They are going to change. So if we're doing this on purpose, you know, in a purposeful way, then we'll notice that, you know, I do have some stability and some clarity now. I can come back and sit with this. You know, that, that kind of delusion has gone away from that for now, right? Because we're learning by noticing. If, if we're doing this same thing in distraction, but it's more conceptual, and it's more ran off the stories, we might not notice, we might still be in that story, which can continue, you know, I'm not feeling well. You know, I have this worry, I have this concern. But if that is lifted, we won't be able to see it, you know? So we're moving in to, with still with moment to moment experience, even even in distraction, you know, we could be, we can be checking in. The fourth one is mindfulness. So if, if we can be with something in a non-judgmental way, allowing things to arise, allowing things to, to fall away, you know, allowing things to come and go, and we're anchored in awareness, that which is looking at, that which is coming and going. We're anchored in the noticer, the observer. Of course, these are all just words, right? Then great, you know. And I would say that we could fall back on, you know, into to pay, pay attention if if this can be accessed, 
you know, along the way. Thinking about simplicity, mindfulness is definitely the most simple thing, right, that we could do here. And the last one is will it away. Again, completely opposite of allowing, completely opposite of what we might, you know, think of when we're thinking of mindfulness practice. Will it away? I think the text says something like, like removing a tooth from a jawbone. Um, and this is very skillful too. Very skillful. You know, I've heard Tenzin Chogi talk about this one, you know, very, with so much love and compassion. I remember her talking about this, like with so much love and compassion. And um, you know, there's the, the teaching of, of compassion when there's an unwarranted thought, you know, when I will remove it upon arising, you know, or like there's something arising within me that's just causing, it can be subtle, you know, this is causing harm. And so we could summon up our, uh, our will and just say, you know, you're simply not welcome. You know, enough's enough. You know, enough's enough. You're not welcome here. Yeah, the opposite. Usually, yeah, you're welcome, whatever, come and go. Yeah, I've, I've shared this before, speaking on this one, but Joseph Goldstein has a good one here where he says something was, was bothering him for like decades in his practice. And the only thing that really worked was this one because he had tried everything else. He tried allowing, he tried letting it be, all that stuff. And then finally, he just thought, you know, that's enough. <laughs> and then like, you're not welcome here back ever again, you know? Um, um, so, so yeah, we could, we could just will it away and that's totally fine, um, as well. And again, too, you know, can we sit with the experience of that? Can we sit with just the experience of, of, of that? And just noticing that. You know, when I will it away, it's like this. So with the insights that, that come, um, and again, I'm reiterating this, and maybe I don't need to, but you know, the, the longer I, I share Dharma and I hear and I work with people, um, I feel like there is, and, and, and with myself too, all the time. And again, I feel like, you know, this is, this is very, you know, common territory for, for all of us, but I just want to say it out loud. Is that there's this magic moment of insight. And I, and I feel like the, the moment of insight so often gets buried, but it happens over and over again where there's this clear insight and even it doesn't even, it has to, even with suffering, 
and there's so much after that. <laughs> so just really kind of bringing this home time and time again to this invitation of we don't need to add all of that onto our insights to keep it simple. Like, I, I understand this by seeing it. I've turned on the light. I've seen what's in the room. And then, of course, oh, we want to do something with it so bad. You know, and so we, we miss what's turned on the light. You know, what turned on the light? You know, this is a great insight. You know, not what did you find? There's nothing to find. Oh, I found this. I found peace or something. Yeah, but that went away. But what turned on the light? And it could be what turned on the light to suffering, what turned on the light to calm, what turned on the light to peacefulness. You know, what turned on the light? And we're learning by learning by noticing. So I was going to talk more, but I want to give us plenty of time in, in groups. I know there's a lot of, you know, um, experience here. And I want to talk about something that we all experience in, in our practice all the time. And so maybe I'm going to break us up into to smaller groups and, um, Maybe talk about what brings you home, you know, to the practice. Um, what brings you home? What allows you to stay in your heart? Like when there is something experientially taste. Um, also, too, it could be what, what pulls you away. <laughs> I think just sharing our own experience of like, hey, I had an insight. And then I had all this, you know, all this thinking and all this thoughts about it. Right. Um, so what allows you to kind of stay centered in your experience? It can be something just like when I see my mind, you know, kind of wanting to make more of something, you know, I just notice this and come back, you know, more to something happening in the moment, more the breath or whatnot. Um, yeah, and also just talking about this tendency that we all have of, of learning just in here, you know, with, I'm just uh, with the mind <laughs> and, and, and not learning through just that pure experience um, itself, right? Welcome back. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I hope that was helpful. Um, yeah, anyone like to share what came up for them in the smaller group with the, the larger group? Um, I don't know if I'm brand new to the group, so thank you for um, allowing me to participate. This is very beneficial to me. Um, as Casey knows, because I do a private session with him, I've got chronic back pain uh, that I've been dealing with for a number of years now, and it's recently gotten worse. And and the worry is that that the that the drugs will 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 no longer work. That's not 
the reality, but that's that's the the worry, and and I've got to put obviously I've got to put that out of my mind. And the other the other problem is is that when the chronic pain actually hits, it's it's intense, it's debilitating, um, it's not from an ex any kind of external source. It's internal within my body. It's it's damaged nerves, and there's little or nothing I can do about it except just write it out. So I don't know if there's any thoughts about how I can ameliorate that sort of intense uh, pain when it, you know, sometimes it's hits for about, you know, two or three hours. It's, it's pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah. You know, it's um, one of those things where with, with this practice where we're not looking well, we can't take it away, right? So we can't take it away, but we can maybe look at it in in a different way. We could have a different relationship with it. And that's as far mm -hmm. as this modality goes, you know, like we've we worked with a little bit already together. It's like that the pain doesn't go away. And then like you mentioned, you know, the worry and and the thought, you know, of what happens if the if the if the drugs don't work or what happens if this keeps going and all of that stuff so we're working with that so that is real right since strong sensation is is here is arising in body and then watch the cacophony of thoughts and um, beliefs and concepts about you know what does this mean and all that stuff so that we can begin to skillfully work with which is you know, yeah, that's present as well, like these thoughts and, and everything, but I do have a choice to follow them or not. And even and the maker of that choice has so much capacity. You know, once we kind of choose to follow those those worries or not, we have very little capacity. But that which is aware of those thoughts, we could begin to tune in to the, to the quality of that awareness. And, and the capacity to hold becomes greater, you know, in that moment. So that's a heavy one. We could work with that more. <laughs> that's a really big one. Well, okay. Thank yeah. you. Great. Thanks, Casey. For sure. Just echoing what Casey said, sometimes just the process of meditation makes our awareness more spacious instead of being hooked by the sensation of pain we can take a step back from it and observe it. And then it becomes sensation. It becomes not one solid thing that we have an aversion to. It becomes, you know, heat and prickly and it's moving and it's changing or it's throbbing, but it's sensation now, as opposed to help, you know, how do I get away from this, you know, and just pure suffering. And it seems like the more spacious our awareness becomes, the smaller that particular object is because now we're aware of our breath. We're aware of the sound yeah. of the birds outside. We're aware of more things. And so we didn't take the pain away, but the pain is now uh, smaller. Uh, it's a smaller part of our total vision, our total awareness. And sometimes that can help. What, what uh, I had mentioned uh, during the small group was, um, you know, you start out meditating and then you, you know, you got the monkey mind and then later you get to a point where 
you're experiencing non-grasping awareness and everything's going great. And then all of a sudden the world blows up. And uh, I had an experience about five years ago where I was going through a divorce and uh, my ex-wife, love of my life, was trying to make me homeless uh, over some really simple, stupid accounting stuff. And I just found that I could not, after 42 years of breath meditation, I just could not stop the thoughts. I would sit to meditate and I would find that I jumped out of my seat and I couldn't sit there anymore. I mean, I was pacing, I was thinking, I was worrying, I was suffering big time. And uh, I started chanting and walking and then I could chant and sit. And then I could just use a mantra uh, seated. But I, all that's to say, you know, there was the mention of think of the opposite, contemplate, uh, is it wise, that kind of thing, but also contemplate using grosser forms of, or grosser objects. You know, you can meditate, you know, be aware of awareness, but it's a very subtle object. You can be aware of the breath, but that's fairly subtle. But when you're screaming a mantra in your head, and, and <laughs> it's very hard to, to worry. Uh, and it cuts off the thoughts uh, in a much simpler way. And as a result of that, you know, you break that, that cycle of, you know, you're hooked by this worry, this thought, and then it leads to emotion, and then that leads to a train of thought, and then that leads to a mood, and then that leads to, you know, just object, just out and out suffering. And it's great if you can just at some point break that with, one of these skillful techniques so that you can start to calm yourself down. Thank you. Awesome. So yeah, we have a couple of minutes left, maybe time for, for one more. Yeah, I was thinking about the, uh, the fifth one, will it away and kind of framing it as an act of compassion, like an act of fierce compassion. And I was thinking in the context of my, my child, you know, if, if he was suffering in some way, I would just take away the source if I could. Mm -hmm. um, can't always do that. But um, how when we turn that on ourselves, it's, it's not always as easy as thinking of taking away somebody else's suffering. Like I can actually, you know, see the thorn. I'll just take it out. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but uh, I don't know. It was just, it was interesting to, to relate that back to, you know, but even, even in, in the dualistic view of things, we have these different, you know, we, we might have this part of us that could protect ourselves fiercely. Um, uh, and kind of step in and just, just say, okay, that's enough. Leave him alone. That's enough. Mm. But, um, and then maybe it comes back, maybe it doesn't, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just a thought. Thank you. Well, thank you again, all of you for coming and, and, and participating and just, helping each other's practice by, by just showing up.
<laughs> you know, sometimes we won't sit for an hour and a half contemplating Dharma by ourselves on a Sunday, but it's easier to come and to do this as a group. So we're all such great supports and happy to connect with new people. Um, thank you for coming. And um, yeah, let's just sit for uh, just closing our eyes for a moment, just dedicating the merit of our practice today. Oh, just maybe thinking of someone who comes to mind, maybe several people that might be suffering, friends, family members, Just recognizing that not everybody has access to inner resource tools, to Dharma. And a lot of times ourselves, we can't even access it ourselves. But just reaching into the tender, gentle part of your heart. And wishing that any insights, any wisdom that came out of our time together, just dedicating it to them, dedicating it to our own full awakening. And the awakening of all beings. May all beings everywhere with that exception they all be happy, truly, truly happy, and free from suffering. Well, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, everyone. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.